Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Remain standing with me for just a few moments. You ever sing a song every once in a while and you just get those moments? You just have it? You ever, husbands, you ever sang to your wife before? You ever sang to her? I know I remember one time I sang always and forever to my wife. And at first she was like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You're so corny. But then I, you know, then I was like, okay. And then I kind of stopped a little bit. And she goes, no, 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 keep singing, keep singing, keep singing. And then I just, you know, you just sing the whole song. But when you sing it, I don't know if you've ever done it. But then you just get lost in it. You just get lost. Like, that's kind of how I feel when you sing to God. Just always and forever. And you just, you get those moments. It just happens. Acts chapter 2. Verse 40, I've taken the title from a pastor that I heard, and you'll hear my title in a little bit. I stole his title. It's a really good one. I like it. Acts chapter 2, verse 40, it says, With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number. When? When? That day. That day. 3,000 came to Christ and a church was being built that day. Before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them it's on the wish list. Then you may be seated. Not going to be very long here this morning. I know some of you Niner fans are can't wait. Praise the Lord. Listen, to all my Raider fans, I've been good this year. Have I not? Haven't I been good? I've been good to you. So you got to cut me some slack. All right? I'm excited because today marks the day that Connie got saved. Amen. Today, Connie's getting saved. She's a Niner fan today. Amen. Sister Connie, she's our, our gang girl leader. Make sure to get that on CD that Connie got saved. Amen. Just kidding. I believe that God wants a monumental church here in Hayward, California. I believe that God delights in a church that loves him and is large also, not just in heart and spirit, but also in numbers. The more amens, the more power. The more amens. Try one more time. The more amens, the more power. There's power in amen. There's power even in numbers. I believe that God wants to grow a large church here within Hayward, California. I truly believe that. Now, some of you here this morning, you're probably uh, looking and listening to me and say, wait, 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 hey, where's Pastor going with this? He's talking about a big church. Well, listen, I want you to know something. I believe that God wants to grow a big church here in Hayward, California. I truly believe that with all my heart, mind, body, and soul. If I didn't believe it, I wouldn't preach it. If I didn't believe it, I wouldn't preach it. 
I believe, I told my leaders here this morning, I believe that the more souls that are in this church, the less souls that are down there going to hell. That's what I believe. I believe that. I believe that God wants to build a large church here in Hayward, California. My father, one of my father's first messages here in this city was, where in the world is Hayward? The world's going to find out. But, I mean, it's, if you really think about it, in and of itself, Hayward is a small city. When I talk about Hayward to many people, they have no idea where Hayward is. They go, Hayward. And I go, yeah, Hayward, it's next to Oakland. Oh, Oakland, oh, my gosh. I'm serious. It happens all the time. San Francisco, they go, oh, San Francisco. You know, that's a. It's just the truth. I mean, it happens all the time. But see, I believe that God wants to build a big church here in Hayward so that when you travel the world and, they, and you tell them you're from Hayward, California, they're going to go, oh, that city where God resides and souls are getting saved. I know. I've heard of Hayward, California. See, right now, there are certain cities, they have certain stigmas on them. They have certain things that are happening. When you hear that city, oh, you think of this. When you hear of Los Angeles, oh, you think of Hollywood. You think of the glitz. You think of the glamour. When you hear New York City, oh, man, it's big. They have all these different boroughs, Manhattan and Brooklyn and all these different things there. But when you hear Hayward, what do you think of? There it is. See, that's my prayer, that when you hear Hayward, California, you go, oh, that's where that big mega church is at over there. Victory, 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 victory outreach. That's right. They have that big, huge church where souls are getting saved. They're in that city of Hayward, California. Come on, if you believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise. Now, somebody say, well, well, why a big church? Why a monumental church? Why does God want to build a big church? Here in Hayward, listen, I understand this is the first message that I'm preaching here in 2014. And so I'm kind of creating a direction of where I believe our church is going. Now, for those of you that come this morning and say, well, you know, I, the, I thought I was going to get fed and we're going to get, listen, we're going to get into that. I'm going to get into that right here, right now. But I want to challenge you. For those of you that you really want to get deep into the Word of God, find a life group. Get involved in a Bible study. Take Bethy. Like those are important things to do. You have to take that to get into the Word. But here this morning, I want to give some direction of 2014. Can, can I hear an amen? I'm going to give some direction for 2014. Now, why build a big church here within Hayward, California? Because the first church that Jesus left behind was a large church. And one day, they added 3,000 people. That's a pretty big, by today's standards, that's kind of like what they would call a mega church, isn't it? That's a mega church. And one day, 3,000 people? Wow. That's the first church that Jesus left behind. He says, look, I'm going to go into heaven, but I'm going to leave you a large church. Wow. Just look at your neighbor and say, wow. See, he left this for the disciples to build and show us a light to the people. See, why in a large church so many people? Why so many people here? Because God does a lot of counting even himself. Did you know that? God counts a lot. Did you know every hair on your head is numbered? God does a lot of counting. For some of you, we got a lot of hair account. And for others, I could just go one, one, 
But think about that. All your hairs are numbered. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when one soul repents. You know what that means? That heaven's counting. Heaven counts. You know that God is into numbers so much that he even named a book of the Bible Numbers. There's a book of the Bible there. Because I know, listen, I know sometimes, well, oh, it's not about numbers. It's not, okay, well, that's true. Well, then don't read the book of numbers. You'll hate it. Because that's what it's all about. It's all about numbers. It's all about this family, how big this family was, how big this tribe was. How big, that, it's, it's all about numbers. Now, I get it sometimes when, you know, a lot of people, they say, well, you know, it's not about the mega church. And that's true. I don't want to build the mega church. I want to build a monumental church, a historical church, that when people hear about the city of Hayward, they think about, oh, my gosh, that's where that big church resides. And they're winning souls for the honor and glory of God. That's the kind of church that I want to build. That's the kind of church where when God looks down, he can be pleased with our church, a historical monumental church. Why? Because God left the church behind. God has named a book of numbers. You know another reason why I would like to build a strong, healthy, growing church here within Hayward? You know another reason why is because why not? Why not? If others can do it, why not us? Right? I think uh, Pastor Al came. Remember when he came last year? That was one of his points. He just said, why not us? Why not? Look at your neighbor and say, why not us? Why not? We hear about all these other different churches, all these other things that are happening where the power of God and the spirit of God is moving. So I'm like, hey, why not us? Why not me? Why not you? Why not us? I was looking up some of the, uh, the churches, you know, the, in one year. This is just in the past year. A church in Anderson, South Carolina. Anybody ever heard of Anderson, South Carolina? See, never heard of it. In one year, they grew 7,072 people. Anderson, South Carolina. I've never heard of Anderson, South Carolina. One day they're going to say, I've never even heard of Hayward, California. But they're growing. Another church, Northview Church in Carmel, Indiana. In one year, they grew 2,200 people. A church in Anaheim, California, Eastside Christian Church, here in California, they grew 1,100 people in one year. Wow. Why not us? Why not? 7,000 people in one year. You know the population of Hayward? 150,000 people. That's the population of Hayward. Just in Hayward alone, not even reaching Castro Valley, San Leandro, San Lorenzo, Union City, Dakota, Fremont, not even reaching all the cities that just touch Hayward, we're just 150,000 people. If we get 10%, a tithe, a tithe of that, ooh, that'd be crazy, 15,000. 1%, 1,500. 1% of Hayward is 15. I'm pretty sure if we could just say, God, can I get 1%? 1%. See, I'm trying to see. I know some of you guys, your wheels are turning right now. Like, well, wait a second. Hold on, hold on one second. I'm trying to stimulate your thinking. God added in one day 3,000 people. Why not us? Why not? See, because there are people that I believe that would help grow this church. This is the title of my message. People I wish I had in my church. 
And some of you are looking at me like, what's going on here? Just follow me, follow me, follow me, right? Okay, for all you Snoop Dogg fans, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. Stay right here. People I wish I had in my church. As I've studied the Bible, I've read the Bible many times over and over. I look at even different scriptures. I look at and I read it. And I'll go, as I read the characters of the Bible, there's a lot of times as I read the Bible, I go, man, I wish I had this person in my church. Man, I wish I had this person in my ministry. Man, I mean, this woman, Esther, she is off the hook. I wish I had Esther in my church. Man, I wish I had Timothy's grandmother and mother in my church. I mean, think about it. The people that you would have in your church. As you read the Bible, you ever read the Bible before and you go, man, I wish I, would, I knew this person. Am I the only one? Okay, I'm the only one. But I've read the Bible. I've read it. And there's been a couple times I read stories in the Bible. I go, man, this person is crazy. I would love to be right there. I wish I had a, wi- a widow woman in my church. I wish I had that. Just a woman who just came and just gave two mites. That would be awesome. But she gave all she had. You read stories in the Bible that, man, people I wish I had in my church. So here this morning, I want to give you three people that I wish I had in my church. Three people, as I've read their stories, as I've read their life, I go, man, they would be great in my church. The first person that I wish I had in my church, now some of you got to follow me here. The first person is Noah. Noah. If you're taking down notes, Noah. He's the first one. I would love to have a Noah in my church. Why Noah? Because Noah represents one man who can make a difference for a whole world. He represents one man who can make a difference for a whole world. I mean, think about this. Think about what Noah had to go through and what Noah had to do in order to accomplish what God had called him to do. I mean, just craziness. Who in the world is going to build an ark in the middle of the desert? Who's going to do that? Like, if you're going to build an ark, you know, build it next to the piers, build it there next to the waters, so as soon as you're done, you can take it in, and you're good to go. God told them, no, I want you to build it in the middle of nowhere. There ain't no water. I haven't given you rain yet, but it's going to come. It's going to come. And think about this. You know what's heavy, too, is that Noah, you know what age he started being a construction worker? 600 years old. Noah was 600. I would just love to get to 100. 600. So in other words, he was an older gentleman, but he was ready to put his hand to the plow, even at his old age. He started learning how to build when he was 600 years old. I want a man like that in my church that just makes a difference. You know the thing I love about Noah is that Jesus, or excuse me, God told him, said, look, Noah, what I want you to do is I want you to take this, build this ark, but I want you to get your family. You know what Noah was? Noah was a family man. Noah was a family man. See, if we had a, a, a Noah in our church, I believe that Noah would take up the whole row with just his family. This is my wife. This is my son. That's my other son. That's my nephew. That's my niece. That's my niece's cousin. Because Noah, if, if you were to have a Noah in your church, he'd be inviting everybody to church. Because he would understand the importance of heaven and hell. He would understand the importance that, hey, I got to make a difference in this church. You know what God told me? He said, God said, look, bring your family to the ark. See, Noah is the kind of guy that brings his family to the ark. Brings his family to where the presence of God is. And says, look, as for me in this house, we are not going to drown. 
we're going to serve the Lord. See, Noah was the kind of guy who made a difference in his family. See, I love it whenever I see a family man, a man who says, no, 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 listen, I know maybe before I didn't have the greatest of reputation with family, but now I'm going to be that man that God has called me to be. Now I want to hear the voice of God. Now I just don't want to hear the voice of God. I want all my family to hear the voice of God. Every single one of my children are going to hear the voice of God, and they're going to know that their father listens to the voice of God. If I had a Noah, one man can make a difference. Never minimize what one man can do. One man can make a difference. So, so for those of you here that are saying, well, I'm just one person, listen, that's exactly what Noah thought. I'm just one man. I don't know how to build an ark. I don't know what I'm doing. If you're here this morning and you say, I don't even know what I'm doing here, perfect, you fit. You're like Noah. He had no idea what he was doing, but because of him, we're here. So for those of you that think, well, I can't make a difference, listen, one man, one woman can make a difference. That's all it takes. It doesn't take all the know-how. It doesn't take all the intellect. It just takes a man that says, God, I want to hear you, and I want to bless your name. That's it. I just want to make you glad. Uh, you know, if you're like me, if you ever try to be construction, I'm probably pretty sure if you try to put a boat together, after looking at it, you're going to say, Oh, yeah, he doesn't know what he's doing. He has no idea. I, if I ever tried to put construction, if Art put me to work, he'd probably have to let me down real easy. Pastor, you're great. You're awesome. But why don't you come back next year? Amen. I don't know. But all I know is one thing is that Noah said, look, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know God's going to guide me. I know God's going to direct me. I know God's going to show me. God is going to put me on the pathway that I need. See, Noah represented a man, one man who can make a difference. And he made a huge difference even within his very own family. Noah was the kind of guy who made a difference for his family, but then also others around. You know the second kind of person that I would love to, the second, not kind, but actually the second person that I would love to have in my church is a man by the name of Beniah. Beniah. Now, for some of you probably say, I've never heard of Beniah. I've heard of Nehemiah. Is he related? No, he's not. There's a man in the Bible named Beniah. Look at your neighbor and say, who's Beniah? The Bible says that Beniah was a valiant fighter from Capzeal who performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. Now, what's so special about that? Not a big deal. He killed two guys. So have I. I kill people all the time on my PS4. I'm like, what's up? I'm an Xbox killer. No, this guy actually took down. Now, you need to understand the Moabites loved to fight. They were bread fighters. They would fight anything and everyone. That's what Moabites were. They were all about fighting. They loved to conquer. So the Bible says that this man, Benaiah, went to the, the breeders of fighting and took their two strongest warriors and killed them himself. Then the Bible says that he went down on a snowy uh, pit, in a snowy pit on a snowy day, and killed a lion. Now, what's the big deal about that? Is because you know what a lion represents? A lion represents fear. Let's be very honest. If I were to come in right now and I were to have a lion come out right here on stage, let's be very honest. Most of us would be scared, would we not? I don't know. Have you ever seen, you went to the Vegas and they have that, uh, what's, what's those guys? Siegfried and Roy? Right? They have those lions. I, I don't know if you've ever seen the people's faces in the crowd. They have faces of fear. And those are tame lions. 
Can you imagine an untamed lion? A crazy lion? See, lions represent fear. That when a lion roars, it scares everybody. So what did Benaiah do? He said, look, look, look. I know everyone else is scared. I know everyone else is terrified. But me? Give me an opportunity. I'll kill this thing right now. See, Benaiah was the kind of guy that when everyone else was scared, said, I'll take it. I'll do it. Matter of fact, I'll go right there in that pit and I'll kill him myself. Just a killer. I need killers in this church. I'm going to let that set in right there. Some of you are going to leave here going, don't go back to Victory Outreach. He wants killers over there. Not physical killers, spiritual killers. That when people are scared to come out of their apartment complex, that when people are scared to go in the streets, when people are watching the news, when people are scared of what's going on in our high schools and our junior highs, there's a person that rises up and says, hey, when everyone else is scared, give me the sword. I'll kill that thing. I'm going to take prayer into this school. I'm going to bring a Bible study into this apartment complex. I'm going to bring a Bible study. We're going to pray in this house. As for me in this house, this lion, he's out of here. That's the kind of guy that Beniah was. He said, just give me an opportunity. I'll take it. Tell the person next to you, say, are you ready for Beniah? The Bible also says this about Beniah is that he struck down a huge Egyptian. Although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Beniah went against him with a club. Look at this. This is what Beniah did. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his very own spear. That's crazy. Think about that. Now, a spear, you know, it's got the sword at the end of it. It's, you know, something pointy. I don't know if you've ever touched it. You ever seen like a small razor blade and you look at it? You don't really want to touch it, right? Because even if you barely touch it, it'll cut you. Now, touch a club, who cares? You know, it's only as powerful as the one who's swinging it. But a spear, the Bible says that Benaiah, no, 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 give me that thing, you stupid idiot. I was going to say Moabite. He said, give me that thing. He said, you know what? He took it from him. Can you imagine that? He took back what he had, said, give it to me, and I'm going to kill you with what you were going to try to kill me with. He's a killer. He's a killer. See, some of you are thinking you can kill ants. Forget ants. I'm not looking for raid killers. I got raid. No, 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 no. This guy actually took a spear from somebody. You ever seen somebody in a fight? With a bat, and somebody just walked up and said, give me that bat. You ever seen that before? I mean, I mean that guy, that's bold. That's courageous. That's a man who has boldness, that is not afraid to walk right up to the enemy. Say, give me that thing. It don't belong in your hands. It belongs in my hand. You know what I believe Benaiah was? Because the Bible says that David was a musician. And if he was like his leader, David, because that's who he was, Benaiah was one of David's mighty men. The Bible says that he was not... Or, excuse me, he was as famous as the three, but he wasn't a part of the three. There was 33 mighty men, and he was above the 30, but he was not a part of the three. The three were very famous, but he was kind of in between. He wasn't like the 30, but he wasn't like the three. He was kind of right in between. You know the reason why I like Benaiah? is because Benaiah didn't have an identity crisis. He knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly who he was. 
He didn't worry about it. He says, look, I know not everybody's going to agree or, excuse me, not everyone's going to see what I do when I go and kill a lion because everybody's so scared, but don't worry about it. I'll take care of it even if nobody gives me the praise. Even if nobody sees what I'm doing, I'm still doing this for God. See, we need people in our church that are going to do things for the honor and glory of God. That's it. That's it. Not the kind of people that come in here and say, oh, you should have seen what I just did. Look at what I just, oh, man, look at all the people. Oh, you should have seen what I, look at all this great exploits I just did. See, Benaiah, you know what he would do? He would just be about his business, and he would come right back. Say, here I am, reporting for duty. What next? He was ready to go. And then he didn't have an identity crisis because he wasn't a part of the top three. He wasn't a part of it. But he said, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I'm just really, I'm here to do what God has called me to do. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that David called him to be his leader of the bodyguards. See, he was the first Kevin Costner. He was. He was the first one. I'll take care of it. I'll do what I got to do. I don't have an identity crisis. What do you want me to do? You want me to go kill a lion? I'll kill a lion. You want me to kill the huge Egyptian? I can do that too. You want me to go get the Moabites? Don't worry about it. I got it. What do you want me to do? I'll take care of whatever you want me to do. See, Benaiah was the kind of soldier where he just came in. He didn't care about, look at my resume. He didn't come and say, look at my history. He came and said, look, I'm here to make history, reporting for duty. That's it. I'm ready to do that. See, that's the kind of man that Benaiah was. And I know that if we had a Benaiah here in this church, he would watch the news, he would see the news, and he goes, okay, that's where I'm going. Where everyone else is going, okay, don't go to Hunter's Point. I'm going to Hunter's Point. When everyone else is going, yeah, don't go to the, the block there on the 86. Don't go there. They're in Oakland. Okay, that's where I'm going. When everyone else is running from there, that's where Benaiah goes. He says, okay, not only am I going to go there, I'm going to go there on a snowy day. You know what a snowy day represents? That represents that nobody's out. Nobody's there. There's Benaiah. I'll take care of it. I'll do it. Everyone else is running from the drug dealers. I got this. Everyone else is running away from the pits of prostitutes. I got this. And don't worry about it. You ain't even got to know. Just know that I took care of business. Men that just take care of business. Not worried about putting their business all out there. Just taking care of business. Can you imagine if we had a Benaiah in this church? He would just take care of business. Tell your neighbor, say, just take care of business. See, if he was like his leader, David, the Bible says that David was a musician. Wasn't he? He was a musician. He would play the harp. He would sing. So I can imagine if Benaiah was kind of like his leader, be a singer, he would just take it right back. That's why, see, I love it whenever I hear, like, uh, Daniel and these guys rap, and I hear these different rappers and singers, and like, oh, yeah, that's cool, man. I really like it. A lot of people, they, a lot of times, now listen, I understand a lot, a lot of people, they go, well, you know, the worldly music, and, you know, they shouldn't. Look, I understand it, but I like Benaiah. He just took it right back, and he just slit his throat, said, look, I'm doing it. I got to do what I got to do. So for some of you, when, when we hear, we're going to have a concert here real soon with Pastor Sal. I was talking with him. He does them oldies, and I know some of you guys love them oldies. I know you love them oldies. I know you do because I drive up, I hear you bumping them right there. Because I see you guys, ooh, baby, Jesus, Jesus, ooh. <coughs> I get it, but that's the kind of guy Benaiah was. He goes, no, 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 fine, you want to take that? I'm going to take it right back, and I'm going to flip it around. 
Matter of fact, what you try to kill me with, I'm going to kill you with. What you try to take me out with, I'm going to take you out with. See, the enemy tried to take you out with certain things. All Benaiah did is he just took it right back and says, I'm going to kill him right back with it. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to take right back what the enemy tried to kill me with, and I'm going to kill him with. See, some of you, that's why when you hear these music and you hear these songs, you got to worship him with everything. Because I know some of you, when you used to get high, you used to put on music. When you used to get drunk, you used to put on music. And so that's why we give you the opportunity here. When we come and we worship God, we put on that music and say, okay, I want to get high with the most high right now. I want to give him all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. What the enemy thought that the music was going to take me out, I'm actually going to flip it around and I'm going to give glory to the one who deserves it all. That's why we sing these songs. We don't sing them just to entertain. That's not what music is for. Music is not for entertainment. Music is for worship. That's what it's for. It's for worship. So I want to challenge you. Those of you guys that you say, well, I, I, I come to church and you miss out on the music thinking it's just entertainment. I want to challenge you. Flip it around. Instead of coming at 1.30, show up at 1 o'clock and say, I'm going to sing. Now, I know some of you think, well, I can't sing. I'm not that good. Don't worry about that. You don't have to worry. Just come and just worship God. Just sing it with all your heart. If you have to, hum it with all your throat. Sorry about that. Just sing it to him. Because to be honest, maybe I might hear you. The person next to you might hear you. But God's hearing this. See, Benaiah was the kind of guy, he just took a ride back, says, no, what the enemy tried to kill me with, I'm going to kill him with. The third person and the last person that I wish I had in my church is a guy by the name of Peter. Peter. Now, I'm going to continue on with this series because there's a lot more. There's a whole lot more, but I just, for some reason, God put these three upon my heart. And Peter, I like Peter. The reason why I like Peter so much, one of the things that just stands out to me that when I, I hear his story is because I think Peter was like the very first victory outreach of the disciples. That's just, this is just my opinion. Don't take it around, the theology and all that stuff. Oh, did you hear? Pastor said that Peter went to victory outreach. No, that's not what I said. Because who else is going to be sleeping with a knife in prayer, wake up, see a soldier, and cut off his ear. Right? I mean, see, that's how down Jesus was. You know, now, I understand you get into the story. That's what they used to do. They carry swords and things like that of that nature. But look at Peter, he was a nut. He didn't have to carry a sword. He didn't have to carry a knife. He was just a crazy nut. While you're, can you imagine praying next to a guy and you see his knife right there? Like, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you're so holy and awesome. Oh, my Lord, can you please get this guy with a knife away from me right now in the name of Jesus right now? Father, I pray that I can go to another church and still worship you and not be next to a guy like that. Who else prays with the sword next to them? I like that. The guy is crazy. The guy is a nut. He's in a boat. Jesus says, come out. He goes, okay. 
and walks on water. Who does that? Who does that? This guy's cutting people's ears off. This guy's walking on water. This guy's being called the devil by Jesus. This guy is a nut. Then, one of the reasons why I like Peter is because Peter also, with all the crazy things that he does, he represents the story of redemption and reconciliation. That even though you've messed up, look at this. We talk about being in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Peter, if any Peter be with Christ. He was actually with him. He chilled. He walked. He talked. He broke bread. He ate with Jesus. And he still messed up. That's crazy. See, we talk about, you know, God is a God of grace, God of mercy. He loves you. But can you imagine actually walking right next to Jesus, making a mistake? I, I don't know about you, but I'd be like, oh, sorry. I'm totally sorry. I, I, forgive me. Totally forgive me. Peter's actually right there making mistakes going, yeah, and? To Jesus of all people. You're not going to die. It's not going to happen. I'll never deny you. I'm going to be right here the whole time. You know, you, you have those people that talk about, I mean, they have big big words, big neck. I mean, they talk long neck. Oh, man, I'm the biggest. I'm the baddest. I'm the, and then when it comes down to it, they're not around. That was Peter. Peter, you have to remember, Peter was a fisherman. These men were stinky. These men were rough. They were rugged. Uh, you know, they had a tongue of a sailor, if you will. I mean, they would just say things. They'd just do whatever. I mean, they were just rugged. Who cares? I'll just do what I want. Say what I want. That's the kind of guy that Peter was. So when Jesus said, walk on water, all right, I'll do that. When he wakes up in prayer, here comes a soldier. I'll just cut his ear off. All right, let's just do that. I mean, that's the kind of guy that Peter was. And Peter says, hey, I'm going to be with you till the wheels fall. I'm here forever. And then all of a sudden, Jesus dies on a cross. And Peter's like, all right, I'm out. I mean, he talked big talk, but he had a very small walk. But, see, this is why I like Peter. It's because even though he presented a resume that was huge, and God said, look, I'm not about your resume. I got something else for you. Acts chapter 2, verse 40, the one who addressed the crowd, guess who it was? Peter. Even though he messed up and he denied Christ. So I don't know this man. I, 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 no way. Not, not me. I, don't, I have no idea what you're talking about. I can't do that. And then the Bible says that he felt conviction. There was a change. He turned around. See, he's a story of redemption and reconciliation. Even though you've messed up, God can still use you. Even though you think that you don't have it all together, God can still use you. See, the kind of guy that Peter was, Peter was the man of faith. Peter was the man that walked out and said, look, I know I ain't got it all together. I know I messed up. I know I denied Christ. I know I cut off the ear of the soldier. And God told me, man, don't ever do that again, Peter. He who lives by the sword shall die by the sword. I began to realize it. And all of a sudden, he said, you know what? Now is my opportunity. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to preach the gospel no matter what. Even though I made a mistake, even though I messed up, even though I don't have it all together, even though people know me by another name, even though people know me by another jacket, I still have an opportunity to rise up and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
That was Peter. Christ himself had to change his name. Changed it. No, 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 no. You were, you were Simon. Now you're Peter. You know, some of you, before you came to Christ, didn't people call you something? Maybe some, of you, some people, ah, he's a phony. Lazy. It's no good. Maybe some of you actually had names. Spooky. Payasa. Just names. Just, you know, because that's what people know you as. You know? Because, you know, I have a few friends. They're really tall. So what do we call them? Stretch. Because he's tall. You know, isn't it true that because of sometimes just the way that you look, that's what people call you. Oh, it's grumpy. Why? Look at his face. Grumpy. <laughs> so they just label you. You're labeled right away. See, that's what Peter was. Peter was labeled right away. God said, no, 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 no. Take away that label. You're someone else. I've called you to be something greater than that. See, what the world says that you can never make, listen, I know you made mistakes. I know you messed up. I know that you think you ain't got it all together. But, Peter, I'm going to leave. And when I leave, you're going to get an opportunity, and there's going to be thousands in front of you. And what I want you to do is I want you to stand up, and I want you to preach. And when you preach the gospel, thousands are going to get saved. Many are going to get baptized. Listen to me here this morning. I understand it, and I get it, that many of you at one time in your life, you were all messed up. You thought that I ain't got nothing to offer God. But God's saying, look, I'm not looking for this big old resume. I'm not looking for all this paperwork. I'm not looking for all this intellect. All I'm looking for is a man or a woman that can be held in my hands and I can shape them. I can shape them like clay. I can use them. And if I can use them, I can grow a church in Hayward, California that will be a monumental historical church for God's honor and for God's glory. See, that's the kind of church that I want to have. People in my church that say, you know what, I'm messed up. But I'm a perfect fit for God. Men that will come in and just take care of business. I know everybody's scared. Don't worry about it. Nobody's going to know that I did this. I'll take care of the lion reporting for duty. I'm here. People that will come. I have a, a whole list of even some women. Man, I, some, some of the women, we heard it here earlier from Greg when he accepted the award. I like what Greg said. Man, Greg is awesome with his words, man. He's sick here this morning. He called me this morning. He said, Pastor, pray for me. I said, of course. But I like what he said because he took the award. And, you know, Sister Gina also, she had won the Pastor's Heart Award. And Greg said, man, Gina, I know you're a woman, but if there was men just half the man that you are, we would be great. And it's true. It's very true. Because some of these, the women in the Bible, they outdo some of these men a hundred times over. A hundred times over. And I'm going to talk about them next week. But listen. I want to tell you something. Peter was all messed up, and yet in one day preached a sermon, 3,000 got saved. Well, no, no, God can't do that. Just a few weeks ago, he cut off a soldier's ear. What's he doing? You got to give him some time to heal. And Peter said, no, 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 forget all that. I need to preach the gospel. Benaiah, David, you think I can get on that list? David says, no, you're not on the list, but I need you to go take care of something. All right, no problem. I got this. Could take care of it. Noah, God, are, are you sure? Are you positive? There's no such thing as rain. What is rain? I've never even seen this before. Uh, you want me to do what? You want me to get my family? They're going to think I'm crazy. 
Because all these people are all, all right here. They're full of sin and filth. They're not going to listen to what I'm saying. God says, no, 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 just build it. All right, then I'm going to build it. I'm going to do what you call me to do. Men that will hear the voice of God and do what God has called them to do. That will stick to it, follow it through, be efficient all the way through. I know it doesn't look like much, but I'm telling you, it's just a few pieces of wood, but keep building. Keep building. And in a little while, you're going to see a huge arc. Listen to me, Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay. Just keep building. Just keep building. Just keep building. I know some of you there in your life group, you're just keep building away. You're like, man, I just keep doing this every Tuesday, every Sunday. Just keep having life group. It's all right. Keep building. Keep building. I know some of you, you keep praying with your son and keep praying with your daughter. And you're, they're not coming to church. It's okay. Keep praying. Just keep praying. Just keep going. I know some of you, you have your coworker that you're there at your job and you keep witnessing to them. And you keep witnessing and you keep telling them about Jesus. And they ain't never listening. Don't worry about it. Just keep building. Just keep building. Just keep going at it. I know some of you, your mom doesn't even believe you that you're a Christian. Your mom doesn't believe that you can make it, but that's okay. Just keep showing her. Just keep showing her the light. Just keep building. Just keep going. I know that you have a few friends, a few neighbors. They, they keep looking at you and they say, where are you going on Sundays? They say, I'm going to church. You can come. Say, I don't want to go. It's okay. Just keep coming. Just keep coming to church. Don't worry about it. Just keep building. And I'm telling you, people are going to see the ark that you are building, and one day they're going to come, and they're going to say, hey, what is happening in Hayward, California? I want to get to the presence of God. They're in that church. People that I wish I had in my church. I want you to tell something. I want to tell you something. There's a lot of people here in this church that fit these profiles, and that's why I'm very excited and also very honored. Now, there's a lot more. There's a whole lot more, a whole list of people. As AJ comes to the piano here this morning, there's a whole list, and I'm very excited about it. And this year in 2014, I believe, my heart, I believe it with all my heart, that we're going to build a church. That is not about numbers, but listen to me, numbers are still going to come. It's not about numbers, but it's just, it's going to come. It's going to happen. Some of you, you're going to have such a strong ministry that people are going to come because of what you're doing. Not even in the church, but outside of the church. They're going to come. You're going to build a ministry that people are going to say, man, what is it that you're, wait a second, I've always known you as this other guy. When did you change? Come on over. Get on out the boat with me. Let's walk on water. Let's do it together. We can do it. Wait a second. Wait a second. You've been divorced. You've been, you've been messing. How, how in the world do you have a strong marriage now? That doesn't make any sense. So don't worry about it. I know I've been divorced. I know I've been hurt, but I'm telling you, God has given me a new heart. God has given me a new mind. And what God has given me, God can give you. It doesn't make any sense. It's okay. Just keep building. Just keep building. Just keep building. I believe that God wants to grow a strong, healthy, and more importantly, monumental church in Hayward, California. I love Hayward. I love this city. I even love the surrounding cities. I tell people all the time. I went to school in Fremont. I played baseball for 20 years in Dakota. I lived, uh, obviously, here in Hayward practically all my life lived in San Leandro, had a Bible study in San Lorenzo. I feel like I've been up and down all right here, a part of the East Bay. I love the East Bay. But you know one thing that I've just, I, I want people to know about the East Bay. Because the East Bay is not really labeled besides really Oakland. It's known for a violent city. I want to change that. I want to change that. That when people hear Oakland and Hayward, 
they're going to go, that's where that transformation is happening. There's something happening over there. I don't know exactly what it is, but uh, I'm telling you, all the people who are carrying guns, they're putting them down and they're picking up Bibles. Why? I don't know. I got to get over there to that city of Hayward. I've never heard of it. We're Carmen, Indiana. Where's that? Anderson, South Carolina. I've never even heard of the Hayward, California. Where is that? Oh, that's where God resides in that city and in that church. There's a historical monumental church that is being built in Hayward, California. If you believe that here this morning, give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Stand with me here this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Just close your eyes and lift your hands with me here this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Father, your word, the Spirit of God is just moving in ministry. Spirit of God is just moving in ministry. Hallelujah, hallelujah. As they prepare to sing a song here this morning, if you're saying, you know what, I, I want to be that kind of man. I want to be that kind of woman. I want to be that person. I want you to slip out of your seat right now. I want you to come to this altar and say, you know what, I know that I have messed up, but God still has.